A Jesus who knows our name and who knows our voice and who calls it out to us. And we have so many voices competing for our attention. It's how do we sort through? How do we hear the voice that it is Christ calling us instead of all the other many voices competing for our time and attention? Work, kids, bank account, whatever the voice is, you know, buy more. Whatever the voice is, how do we hear through those voices? To hear the voice of Jesus calling us in that voice, whether we hear it sweetly, as the song is, or whether it might be a little bit more challenging to us as we hear that voice from Jesus. Now, this was a real thing. Not many of us are in meadows with sheep these days, at least not here in Houston, and so I want you to know that this is a real thing, that the sheep did know the shepherd's voice. They're not talking about something unusual, but they did know, and that many of the shepherds did know the sheep by name in their own flocks. And so you could try as much as you want as not the shepherd, and they're not going to follow you, okay? because they know the name of their shepherd. And if you just speak a little bit as the shepherd, then their heads pop up and they come running. I want to see you, you to see an example of it in this clip that I found. One more time. Oh, one is. pop up and then they started to have a conversation first him yelling them going back until they started moving but this is a real thing Uh, Jesus is talking about that you know my voice says it's embedded deep within you listen listen and hear for it I'm speaking to you the voice of God's love it's right there for you I've got it You know, I keep speaking, listen, attune your ears so that you can hear the voice that I am speaking to you. You might have to remember some other voice that which you knew God's love from. And when I think of that, I think of my mother. Of course, it's Mother's Day. And I think sometimes I knew that voice to say, Troy, and it felt love all over. And then sometimes I knew that voice to say, Troy Jean, 
And it wasn't love all over. The first one, I had my head popped up and I'd come running. The second one, I did a little bit of shuffling to take my time to get where the voice was from. But I knew that voice. I knew that voice was calling my name. And Jesus is saying, I have that voice for each and every one of you to hear before uh, each day. To hear, just listen. Listen for the voice. Now, sometimes my mom got a little bit ornery with her voice, but we still listened. Uh, she got the chance to be a mom twice. I have a sister that's 20 years younger than me. And so there were the older kids family and there were the younger kids family. And that sister grew up with uh, nephews and nieces that were her own age because my sisters had their children. And so they would often be at our home. And I was going to college at the time and I would come home for lunch uh, in Sharpstown. And I knew that they had heard mom's voice when I walked into the den and along the sofa, here were four kids lined up. Nobody saying anything. Mom had called both their names, and they were sitting on the sofa, and I usually know what it meant. I knew who was being nice to each other and who wasn't, because sometimes they were divided on the sofa. I mean, three on this side, one on that side, two and two, or you know, sometimes they were evenly spread out across the sofa. But if they were split up, it was like the Mississippi River running between them, and they were not going to give in and talk to each other. So someone had done something wrong that mom did not think was loving or caring for one of their brothers or sisters or nephews or cousins, their cousins. And so she would give them a task, and they had to stay on the sofa until they finished the task. And the task would be along the lines of, say something that you love about the other one. They were dug in. Big old Mississippi River right there between them. I'm not feeling much love for them right now. I'm not going to say anything about how I love them. You know? Then she might do something about how much you appreciate them. Something that they've done for you that you really liked. And so she had all these different things and would vary them up. And they would just dig in on that sofa. And she also knew one other thing. That this game of hers would get to the point where they would join forces because they would be so angry at mom that then they would love each other again. Because together we can be angry at her. And in that mutual being angry at mom, they could build a bridge to one another again and be able to love each other or share that. Think of that moment, that voice in your own life, if there was a voice. Could have been your mom, could have been your dad, could have been a teacher, could have been a neighbor. That voice that to you spoke God's love. Imagine it. Try and hear the qualities that were within it. Imagine that voice reaching out to you this day as Jesus says, I am here speaking to you God's love. Listen, it is here for you all the time. I am the good shepherd and I know your name. And I speak this voice of love to you. Let it in, receive it. Sometimes it's just hard to imagine that that is really for us in that deep way. This image doesn't strike home completely. And we are used to just living in our own little zip codes where we've got our house with our fences and we don't want to stretch out beyond it very much. In our reading today uh, from Gregory Boyle, it starts off with, we are the guys who hate those guys. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those neighborhoods or those groups in your life. We are the guys that hate those guys. That's a tough place to be, end up with your own identity, your own 
separateness from others. It's a tough thing. Gregory talks about being in ministry with these folks and how they've even forgotten how to find their, their, self, their way back to themselves. He talks about a new gang member coming into his office, and as he's in his office, he asks what his name is, and the gang member says to him, Sniper! You know, and Gregory looks at him and says, Now, I know that you did not come out of your mother's womb, and she just looked at you, and she said, Sniper! And so the kid backs up a little bit, and Gregory comes at him again. So what is, what is your name? What's your name? And the kid comes back to him and says, Gonzalez. And Gregory goes, that's better. You know, that may be what the staff calls you or some other folks call you, but I'm not going to call you by your last name. What's, what's the name on your birth certificate? Tell me what your name is. And then he gets a little bit sassy, but a little bit quieter, a little bit more real, and he goes, Trouble. You know, he said it in a little bit more gross way, you know, with a little bit of extra four-letter words in it, but trouble is what it was. And Gregory comes back at him again and says, no, tell me the name your mother calls you. And he goes, softening up. The bravado starts to go away. The machismo is less. He softens up and he says, Napoleon. And Gregory comes at him one more time and says, that's a fine name, that's a proud name. That's a good name to have, Napoleon. He said, but what does, what does your mom call you when she's not angry at you? And the kid softens up even more, gets really, really quiet, so Greg has to move in close to him, and the kid says, Napito, Napito. Don't we just long for those days where we hear Jesus calling out as if he is calling out the name mom used to use when she wasn't angry with us. The name mom used to use when she wasn't angry. That love, that care. Napito, this gang member moved from this angry, separated place, not able to connect with who he was, with love in his life, through a series of names, to the point at the very core of it where he realized again, that he had been loved. Many of us are on that journey daily to remind ourselves, what are the names that are true for me? Others will give you names. You don't have to take them on. What are the names that God's calling me by? What is the name that Jesus is reaching out to me this day? What is the voice I'm listening to? Who, who will I follow? When will my head will pop up and follow that shepherd? So these gangs live in that environment of, we hate those guys. There's a huge chasm between them. How do we bridge those gaps for them? How do we bridge those gaps for ourselves? They each have their own groups that live on one side or the other side, and they try not to touch one another. And if they do, it's usually violent. It usually hurts one or the other. But God calls us into spaces where we don't just live safely, that we bridge the gaps, that we try and find out what healing there can be there, what healing there can be. I want to show you an example from another teaching movie, which, you know, I love those movies. This is a movie where the teacher has some gangs in her classroom, and all semester long they have been sitting on opposite sides of the room 
because we don't talk to people on the other side of the room. So they're sitting on opposite sides of the room. And she's been trying to develop a relationship with them, but it's been hard. So this day, she invites them to play a game. She says, we're going to play a game. It's called the line game. And she takes some really thick tape, and she puts it down the middle of the classroom, all the way from one side to the other side. She says, you know, on both sides. It was natural. They were already divided into their usual groups. And she said, so if this is true for you, I invite you to step to the line. And so they're at the walls, and she says to them, if any of you have listened to the new Snoop Doggy Dog album, touch the line. They go to the middle, and they touch the line, just everybody. Then they go away again, and she asks them, any of you who have seen the new Spike Lee movie, touch the line. And so they go touch the line again. And she goes through a series of these kind of questions. Some of them work, some of them don't. How many of you are in a gang? No one goes and touches the line. And so as she goes through the series, there's a moment in time where she stops. And she says, okay, now I'm going to ask you some questions more seriously. More serious questions. And this is where that clip begins. More serious question. Stand on the line if you've lost a friend to gang violence. Stay on the line if you've lost more than one friend. I'd like us to pay respect to those people now. Wherever you are, just speak their name. Sometimes we're so busy circling our own wagons in our own community, we don't recognize that if we just go to the line, there's a face there that mirrors mine. That there's some commonality there beneath and under what this animosity is that keeps us separate. That separateness really is illusion because when we get to our hearts and to our souls and to the places where we find God, that we are one. And as she had them get closer and closer to that place, then they saw each other's faces. And she built a bridge between the two warring gangs in a moment when we see a face, when we see a person instead of someone that we're supposed to hate. I believe we have these opportunities in our life all the time. 
I believe we are prone to wanting to circle the wagons and stay safe. I believe that sometimes we have good experience and good reasons for doing this. It's not something we make up. Life can be hard and we have been hurt. This last week I went on a radio, uh, morning radio show to talk about the Equal Rights Ordinance. And I was invited to come and talk about a pro view for that. I didn't realize until I got there when we got into the program about five or ten minutes that it was one pro voice and three anti-voices. That was fascinating. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. You know, and in the, in the conversation that went on for a while, and uh, you just get tired of hearing people say things to you, trying to give you names that aren't your names, names like criminal, names like predator, names that just aren't your names, because they're so, so fixated on fear, so fixated on what they're afraid of. They've got their wagons circled so tightly, and they only know that they're supposed to hate those guys, you know? They might not even name it hate. They might name loving it, loving them into submission of some kind but they just didn't know. One of the other persons was a lawyer, one was another pastor. And I thought, oh, afterwards, afterwards we needed to have that teacher come in and put a little piece of tape down the middle, get groups of clergy on both sides, the pro and the con side of this issue, and have these clergy listen to the teacher asking them questions. Okay, come and touch the line. If you did a baptism this week, come and touch the line. If you buried someone this week, Come and touch the line if you woke up in the middle of the night because you weren't sure the offering was big enough to cover the light bill. You know? Come and touch the middle of the line if and if and if. And then she pauses for a moment and she says, okay, let's get a little more serious in these questions. And then she asks the two different groups and she says, come and touch the line if you've known God's forgiveness. Come and touch the line if you've known God's forgiveness over and over and over again in your life. Come and touch the line if you've heard the voice of Jesus pouring out grace so deeply that you have been moved to tears. Come and touch the line if you knew you had no way in the world to be forgiven. You felt you weren't deserving. You felt like it just was no hope in even trying. Somehow, life and love and forgiveness and grace touched you, and you were alive again. I bet in that line, those groups of clergies could see each other across the line. They might hear God's voice in that moment and that time saying, you are all my own. What happened to this one flock business? Did y'all hear that in the reading? What happened to this one flock business that's going on? You know, hard stuff that we keep circling around and try to become each other's enemies instead of hearing a voice that calls us out of our own safety into finding one another. The reading is interesting from John. It starts by saying, I am the gate, but then it says, I'm the good shepherd too. And it's saying two things there. I invite you into the fold. I invite you to be safe. I invite you to be with me. I'll protect you. Come and be with me into the gate, in, through this gate into the fold. And then right after that, it says, but you know what? You can't stay in the fold forever. 
I am going to walk out, and you're going to hear me calling your name, and you're going to follow me right out of the circle you've created that you think is safe. You're going to walk right out and follow me into a world where we can build bridges together, where these separate folds don't exist. And Jesus even goes one step further in this account of the Good Shepherd. He goes and he says to them, you know, there are other sheep. You're not going to recognize them. You're not going to know who they are. When they show up, you're going to say, who are they? But they know my voice. They have heard my voice and I must go to them. I find that a wonderful, wonderful giving passage that I've reflected on many times in my life. Because in it I hear Jesus saying, all of these Mississippi rivers that you're trying to build bridges over are an illusion. We are one. And I will keep working until we know that we are one. And it's interesting because he doesn't say, I'm going to make you Christian. He says, they hear my voice. And you may not recognize who they are, but they will, their hearts will sing. Their hearts will sing when they hear me calling. I wonder if some of my Buddhist friends and Jewish friends and Muslim friends, some of my friends who are so afraid of God they won't walk into this place, I wonder if Jesus' voice they are hearing and their hearts are singing and that I might be putting up the wall that's keeping them from owning God's love for themselves more deeply. Other sheep that we may not recognize, but they're mine, Jesus says, but they are mine. Don't stay behind those walls. Walk out and build the bridge. At the end of the book that Gregory Boyle writes, Tattoos on the Heart, it tells the story of a mother, a mother who lost her son on the front porch. His name was Ronnie. He had been the first in their family to graduate, the first in their family to go into the Marines, and he had come home. And as he got home that day, someone on the front steps, or it's actually at the kitchen door, at the kitchen door asked him what gang he was a part of. And he said, I'm not a part of any gang. And then he might have said, because she couldn't remember, I'm a part of the Marines. And in that neighborhood, if you weren't part of a gang, it was dangerous, and they killed him in that moment. And she grabbed him at the kitchen door and grieved him. Six months later, still grieving, her son Angel went into her and said, get up, you have three more children, three more children to care for. Get up and help serve them. And so she did. Two months after that moment, Angel's on the front porch, and on the front porch, he sees a kid running up the street, as the kid runs up the street and disappears, he knows he'd better get in the house fast. People come running up the street after that kid. They don't find him, and so they turn and they shoot Angel on the front porch. The mom runs out and holds her son on the front porch. Broken. We are the guys that hate those guys. Pain. Then, two years later, she's talking to Gregory and she says, you know, I love my two children. I love my two children. And I miss, I hurt for my two children that are gone. 
And then she said to him in pain and suffering, she said, the hurt wins. The hurt wins. Two months later, she has a heart attack and she's in the emergency room. Everything's going so fast. Everything's going so fast that they can't even pull the divider wall between her and the other bed in the ER. And then they bring a gang member and place him in the other bed that's been shot. And his life is touch and go, and she's watching, and she thinks, those are the ones we hate. She could tell by the tattoos marking his skin that they were one of the ones that might have killed her two sons. Those are the ones we hate. And then in a moment in that room where she's laying on her own bed and she's looking, she remembers a mom. She says, there's a mom who loves this child. And then she starts to cry out, live, live live what she did was she touched the line and she saw a face of a family and another mother and she was able to build a bridge of healing we are called to be those people in this world we are called to be those people even at times when they call your names to continue to listen for the voice of jesus right in the middle of it the voice that says i know you i know your name i'm calling you in god's love and also says, you can't stay in the fold. Come on out. We've got work to do. Brings you out. And then says to you, and there's going to be people you don't even know that are going to follow me too. Let's listen to the voice. Amen. In your presence, day. 